This is Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly update on the people and policies leading Michigan, with Michigan Democratic Party Chair Lavora Barnes. Welcome back to Party on the Peninsulas. I'm Lavora Barnes. The word this week? Scandals. Nothing undermines trust in our democracy more than scandals, and it seems as if the number of scandals have been increasing. At the federal level, Revelations about millions in gifts, luxury vacations, and private jet service for Justice Clarence Thomas, along with high-paying jobs for his wife, have accelerated calls for a Supreme Court Code of Ethics. In Congress, Senator Bob Menendez and Representative George Santos continue to serve, despite several serious federal indictments, many of the charges about illegally obtaining hundreds of thousands of dollars. And right now, we have former President Trump on trial for financial fraud in the hundreds of millions of dollars. In Michigan, one former Republican House Speaker has pleaded guilty to accepting bribes. Another former Republican Speaker and two former state Senate Republican leaders are under investigation for their use of money from dark money political funds. It's said that sunshine is the best disinfectant. Last year, the voters of Michigan agreed. By your vote, you said, enough is enough, and enacted a constitutional amendment demanding some critical sunshine, financial disclosures from elected officials. It's something Democrats have long advocated, and now, with Democrats in the majority, it's happening. Bills long stymied when Republicans were in the majority are now moving through both chambers. In a minute, we'll get an update on financial disclosure legislation from the Senate's lead sponsor, Southfield Senator Jeremy Moss. But first, an update on some of the other stories on politics and policies we're following this week with MDP's Dorian Tyus. Last week was another highly productive week in the state legislature. Among the accomplishments during the last week of October, the state Senate approved legislation requiring financial disclosures by elected officials on a 36-2 vote. Similar legislation is pending in the state house with a debate over whether full disclosures should include the immediate families of public officials. On mostly party line votes, the house pushed forward on clean energy priorities, voting on a slate of Senate bills addressing clean energy, energy waste and affordability, alongside a package of house bills giving state regulators authority over permitting clean energy projects. The package of bills includes setting updated clean energy and energy waste reduction standards, providing energy regulators with additional priorities for regulation, allowing farmers to rent their land to solar energy companies, providing state regulators with authority over large-scale clean energy permitting, and creating an office to facilitate transitions from fossil fuel to clean energy jobs. Bills to disarm convicted domestic abusers head to Governor Whitmer's desk. These bills would prohibit all people convicted of both felony and misdemeanor domestic violence charges from buying or possessing firearms for eight years after their sentence. Supporters of these laws say that they will protect domestic violence survivors, citing the 50 women and 20 children killed yearly in Michigan by gun the domestic violence situation. Michigan's Democratic trifecta is delivering on its promise to roll back archaic and dangerous abortion restrictions while expanding those fundamental rights. Republican anti-abortion regulations made it a crime for doctors to provide care, raise costs for patients, hurt health care, and hurt health centers trying to serve their communities. 
The bills passed on a party line vote removing a state ban on what's known as partial birth abortion in the requirement for patients to pay for a special rider or additional coverage beyond their normal insurance coverage and updated references to Michigan's laws based on the state's new abortion policies. Members of the House also voted to advance a set of bipartisan bills which would require disclaimers on political ads with audio, images, or videos generated using artificial intelligence and create penalties for trying to deceive voters close to an election by using deep fake technology. Governor Whitmer sent a letter to U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken on Tuesday seeking information about the number of Americans stuck in Gaza with ties to Michigan and how the U.S. government plans to evacuate Americans and immediate family members as Israel moves further into their region amidst its ground offensive. In the letter, Whitmer said, quote, With the worsening crisis occurring in the Gaza Strip, there are Michiganders in Gaza who are unable to leave and their families are terrified. I am writing today with utmost urgency to call on you to help bring them home safely. Republican State Representative Rochelle Smith held a press conference last week honoring Michael Null, leader of far-right militia group Wolverine Watchmen, for his courage, unflagging spirit, and dedication to Michigan. Null's militia group is the same one that attempted to instigate a civil war and take down the government by kidnapping Governor Whitmer, and also plotted to use firearms and homemade bombs to blow up police vehicles and stormed the Michigan Capitol to protest COVID-19 restrictions in 2020. Smith took it upon herself to evaluate Michael Knowles' beliefs and pass action with a public event and tribute plan, complete with the Michigan House of Representatives' official seal. In the tribute, she wrote, quote, His victory further exposed the depravity of this government and the corruption within state and federal secret police forces, which masquerade as legitimate law enforcement. Governor Whitmer's office called the tribute disturbing. It's been revealed that members of the DeVos family have donated nearly $50,000 to the U.S. Senate campaign of former Congressman Mike Rogers. Not reported yet, the amount of money the family will spend supporting Rogers through their political action committees. New polling from Data for Progress shows a majority of Americans are opposed to the extreme right-wing political agenda of the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Among Johnson's positions opposed by most Americans, according to the poll, allowing states to put doctors in jail for performing abortions, banning abortion in all 50 states, repealing many of the Affordable Care Act's protections for people with pre-existing conditions, allowing states to imprison people for having gay sex, allowing states to ban same-sex marriage, defunding the FBI and Department of Justice for their investigations into political figures, including former President Donald Trump, voting to overturn the 2020 presidential election, and cutting funding for Social Security and Medicare. Links to these stories and other articles of interest are on our website, partyonthepeninsulas.com. From Michigan Democratic Party headquarters in Lansing, I'm Dorian Tyler. Thank you, Dorian. In state rankings of openness within state government, Michigan has consistently ranked at the bottom. That's changing, beginning with laws requiring financial disclosures by elected officials. Leading the way on this issue is a longtime advocate for more open government, 
Southfield Senator Jeremy Moss. He talked about this first major step towards a more open government with our Walt Sorg. Senator Moss, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. An interesting week for ethics legislation, to say the least. It's interesting. It's busy. It's historic. Despite all of the volume coming out of the legislature, I'm enthusiastic. This has been a very productive week for those of us who have been pushing for ethics, accountability, transparency for a long time. This is probably the most significant action we've really taken since I've been there. You've made it pretty clear that the bill you passed in the Senate is just the beginning as far as you're concerned. In the House, what is the controversy as you're hearing from your colleagues over there? So we've gone down several different paths on financial disclosure. And so naturally, I I think those in the media, those observers of the legislature, those who want to vet this information, our personal finances, and if there's a conflict for when we vote, want us to go further and further. I'm all in support of going uh, as far as possible, but these are large tasks for the legislature to achieve. And because these series of ethical gaps and the consequences of them didn't pile up overnight, they piled up over really 40 years of Republican inaction. We're not going to be able to cure every issue overnight. I I always talk or I often talk about this Center for Public Integrity report back in 2015 when I was first elected to the legislature that ranked Michigan at dead last in the nation in terms of ethics and transparency They measured 15 functions of all 50 state governments, and we failed 10 of those categories. Financial disclosure is important, but it is among dozens of bullet points under each uh, of those 10 categories that we fail. We're not going to be able to tackle every single thing in one fell swoop. But I don't want that to undercut the significant action that we've taken. This is as far as we've gotten on financial disclosure or really ethics in in the last eight, nine years since I've been elected to the legislature. So the journey starts with a huge step forward. We've achieved that. And so everything else that others are recommending to make the bill stronger, let's do it. I'm okay with that. Let's go on this journey, but don't let it hold up the good progress that we've made already. So I'm not discouraged by those who are looking at what we've created and want to make it stronger. I'm encouraged that there's now an open door to make this happen. So whatever the legislature can sustain in making this stronger, I'm all about. But we got to pass something by the end of this year. So I don't want I don't want folks to lose sight of that either. Under your leadership, you've done something in the Senate that is almost inconceivable these days. You got a near unanimous vote in support of the bills. Pretty good, huh? I've been trying to be very methodical, meticulous, hearing everybody's concerns. Oddly enough, this is now the second ballot proposal that I've been charged with implementing. We through the exercise of Proposal 2, which was to promote the vote ballot proposal, that really the big task there was to set up the framework for early voting. And we got bipartisan support on that because we listened to all stakeholders. We listened to all concerns. We could have passed that with Democrats only. But I wanted to hear Republican concerns to make the product better. And Ed McBroom was one of the sponsors. Senator Ed McBroom, Republican from the Upper Peninsula, was one of the sponsors of early voting because he believed in it, because we were able to listen to his perspective on it and move a product forward. Now we've moved on to Proposal 1, which is financial disclosure. 
We listen to Republicans. They're going to have to be under the same system as us. We wanted to get their feedback on what they say as important issues with regards to financial disclosure. And we got the Senate Republican leader to sign on as a co-sponsor. And our bills, as they came out of the Senate, were sponsored by two Democrats, myself and Sam Singh, and two Republicans, also including Broom. So he's been a good partner on that. So it's the approach has always been strip itself of its partisanship. We if, just because we can go with Democrats only doesn't mean we always have to go with Democrats only. And the result was it came out of the Senate 36 to two. So I hope this momentum feeds itself into the state house. And again, these conversations about making this piece of legislation stronger, I'm all about. But what can sustain six votes to get it out of the house? That that's the question. You talk about 56 votes in the House. It is very possible by uh, this time next week, there will only be 54 Democrats, depending on what happens in a couple of mayoral elections. So you need bipartisan support in the House, almost for sure. Yeah, we do. And I think, again, this momentum from this 36 to 2 vote should demonstrate that this is not being jammed by Democrats. This is not a Democratic-only package. This is this was with this was written with input from everybody who's going to be impacted by this. So I, I think it's a good faith effort and a good signal from the Senate that we are open to hearing ways from all parties to strengthen this. But uh, yeah, we're we know we're under a time crunch given the mayoral election. I'm not exactly sure when they take office. So we might have one more week with them, even if they're elected on Tuesday. But I uh, this was a big task. And so to be able to shepherd really what is changing our institution. I don't want to knock anybody else's bills. I've had bills of lesser consequence than have made it through the process. But this is of the most significant consequence. It changes our institution. It changes how lawmakers regulate ourselves. It sets a standard moving forward for future lawmakers. When you get into the big proposals and these big projects, it takes time And we were able to successfully get this out of the Senate, and I'm eagerly awaiting to see how the House strengthens it. Lingering in the background of all of this is a criminal investigation into former Speaker Chatfield for financial improprieties and reports of other investigations, most of them involving money, a couple of them involving two former Senate Republican majority leaders. What impact does this background have on the debate as it's going forward? Since I was elected nine years ago, we've seen more and more ethical breaches. And that's caused for more and more examination of the gaps in the law. As these criminal investigations play out, we're going to continue to be exposed to even more gaps. Some of the things that I'm hearing out of these investigations, and I know nothing's been complete with the Chatfield investigation and no charges have come yet. The accused people are accused of doing things, allegedly, I think I have to put that in for a disclaimer, that I didn't even know you could do in Lansing. The Wild West mode of governing just lent itself to some of the most egregious violations that I didn't even think anybody would engage in. So with that said, we are putting the foundation down of a financial disclosure process that will continue to evolve. Bad people will seek to do bad thing, and elected office is no exclusion to that rule. And so we will try and tighten up every avenue to produce as few ethical breaches as possible. And then someone will come in through the back door and find a new avenue that we need to close up. So these investigations as they're ongoing will continue to inform us uh, on how to legislate. 
and how to really secure uh, the integrity of our institution. So it does play out in the background of, of our mind. For now, we have a product that will inform legislators and the public and the media alike of what was that lawmaker's income? Where did it come from last year? And does that income provide a conflict to how they vote uh, in the legislature? And I think that is going to be a huge catch-all for some ethical breaches if a bad actor wants to pursue those. An issue lying right next to this is open records for the legislature and the governor's office. Where do we stand on that? Depending on when this uh, podcast goes out, we are preparing uh, the introduction of that. So among those other 10 categories of, of failures, ethical failures, is the fact that we are one of two states that you cannot request the records of the legislature or the governor. And we are rounding third now. I was on deck as a freshman in the house. Now I'm rounding third to be able to bring this thing home. So we are close, as close as ever to finally putting forward legislation that will close that important ethical gap that you cannot request through FOIA documents that you can request on the local level, on the county level, at the school level, but we shield you from that information on policymaking at the state level. It's wrong. It has been wrong for as long as these carve-outs have existed, and we want to better inform people on how the policymaking process takes place at the state level. So you will see introduction of that very soon. It's said that watching legislation being crafted is like watching sausage being made. This is one of those sausage moments, but at the end, hopefully we'll have a gourmet feast. You got it. That's the goal there. Senator Jeremy Moss, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on getting a near unanimous vote in the Senate. You got it. Appreciate it. That's our report for this week. Our thanks to the people of Michigan for demanding financial disclosure by elected officials and Senator Jeremy Moss for leading efforts to make it happen. I'm LaVore Barnes. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week and hope you will be too. Paid for by the Michigan Democratic Party, 606 Townsend, Lansing, Michigan, 48933.